around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to design, build and operate the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment, including integrated applications and services built on an open platform our solutions enable digital workflows across engineering disciplines and distributed project teams from the office to the field. And today, leverage digital twin technology to help solve the most complex of engineering challenges. Together, we are advancing infrastructure. So welcome to this latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith, I'm editor of New Seven Engineer, and I'm your host for today's episode, where we're going to be marking International Women in Engineering Day, which took place a week before this release. The discussion today is on the lived experience of women in the industry, and joining me for that conversation, we have Wilmot Dixon Construction Manager, Leanne Lawson, and Mont McDonald Development Manager for Energy, Claire Rhodes-James. Leanne is a construction manager currently leading a £63 million residential and hotel project in Rochdale. She's been in the industry for 16 years and completed a degree in construction management, full starting on site as a trainee engineer and progressing through various site management levels to her current position. Leanne's worked across a variety of public and private sector projects and is a firm believer in building a cohesive and happy team on her projects which will deliver a great product, but also a positive impact on the community where she works too. Claire's role involves her working across the business at Mott McDonald on energy networks and storage, as well as nuclear and other forms of generation. She has a background in commercial management, along with leading the business in solar, wind and hydropower. She started her career in hydraulic engineering, designing dams, reservoirs and flood defences, and has worked in the UK and internationally, as well as on secondment for clients. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. So normally I'm here just firing questions at our guests, but for this episode, I'm planning to join the conversation too, as it's 25 years this month since I graduated as a geotechnical engineer, and I soon found myself on site as the only female engineer in the department. I'm sure I'm not alone in that experience, and we'll come on to that soon. But first, I'd like to find out how you both came to study engineering in the first place. As part of NC's coverage of International Women in Engineering Day this year, I interviewed the CEO of the Women's Engineering Society, which organises the event, Elizabeth Donnelly. She said that one of the reasons that women don't go into engineering in the same numbers as they do into, say, law or medicine, is that engineering is not seen in society. She told me that the general public don't see engineers in the way they see doctors or lawyers. And she said, you see, doctors or lawyers are portrayed on television or in fiction, but in engineering, it only really has visibility in documentary format. She says, as a result, most women who come into the engineering profession already have family or family friend in the industry, which is why International Women in Engineering Day is so important. So I thought we might test that theory here today. So my granddad was a mechanical engineer, my brother's an electronics engineer, but it was actually an engineering day at school that got me interested in civil engineering and work experience led me into geotechnics. So I'm kind of 50-50 on the family and STEM inputs. Claire, what about you? Thanks, Claire. I guess my experience is a bit different because I don't have any family members that are engineers, although having researched family history recently, I found some that go back some generations, but that, that wasn't something visible to me. Um, so it was almost about doing something different to people in my family, which I don't know if that's a bit of a, a teenage thing. I do remember seeing a poster at school of a woman um, driving a car 
and it had some cheesy slogan on it about going into engineering, which I have to say made made me uh, feel a bit uncomfortable. But it can't have been that bad an influence because it did make me consider. Um, I was quite keen to travel and I was really motivated by um, infrastructure development in the broader sense. I had an idea about being an architect, but I didn't have a portfolio. So it was a sort of almost like a process of, I wasn't sure what this engineering thing was, but I thought I would give it a go. So there was no sort of, no no people or, or other things. It was almost like it was different to what other people had done. What about you, Leanne? What led you into the construction sector? So a little bit of family influence on this side. Um, my older brother, uh, he's sort of seven and a half years, my senior went into architecture um at that point in time I wanted to be a maths teacher um not not quite sure where that dream came from originally um and there's no other family members in construction other than my brother he was sort of the first to, to pioneer that way um and I just sort of saw the drawings he was coming back with from university took a bit of an interest in what it was that he was, was studying and doing and just sort of came with the idea of actually it'd be kind of kind of cool to convert what he was drawing into the reality um, I was very much that I didn't want a job that I was doing something monotonous every day, um, the same thing every day. And when I sort of spoke with my brother and looked into the, to the construction industry and engineering a little bit more, I suppose I realised that actually of, of all the careers you could have, construction is probably one of the more diverse in terms of your day-to-day role that you could actually get uh, in any kind of profession. So um, although there's only my, me and my brother that sort of pioneered the way in our family, um, and we're still the only two in our family that have gone into construction, um, he was probably the, the, the biggest influence for, for me following this route, yeah. It's really fascinating understanding everyone's career journeys, isn't it? And I'm very glad you made the choices you did that brought us to this conversation today. But did either of you get any negative feedback when you first spoke about wanting to go into construction engineering? One firm I spoke to about getting work experience when I was 14 suggested that I trained as a PA for one of their directors. Um, yeah, needless to say, I didn't take that option. But I think there may be many women who are deterred by that kind of conversation. Did you have to fight for your choice or were you supported? Um, Well, I had similar experiences, uh, Claire. When I um, had uh, got a place to do engineering at universities, um, one of my uncles, a bit like you, suggested that I should go on a typing course. And one of my other uncles said, why can't you do a proper subject? So, uh, what did he class as a proper subject? Then? Well, I think it's something like history or something like that. So, I think that that's more uh, well, it's as much to do with attitudes about engineering um, within society. Back to your comment about the so how law and medicine are viewed. Um, so, I think it, I don't know if that was a, a gender comment, but it was about it's about engineering. So, yes, it had a few of those. What about you, Liam? Did were you supported because your brother was already in the industry? To be fair, my my family were uh, immensely supportive. My my mother was um, in logistics, so in a similar fashion, she was the only female in her role um, in, in her industry and regularly the only female sat in board meetings in the job that she did. So when I sort of wanted to pursue the, the engineering and the construction industry, she, she didn't have anything negative to say. She was really, really quite supportive. My my dad is a, a massive advocate of just being the best person you can be um, in whatever job you want to do and, and follow a, a dream. So family were brilliant. Um, what was, I suppose, more interesting was that actually it was the university lecturer that said to me about 
um, staying within the industry of construction, but actually thinking about being a quantity surveyor, um, with that being the hours a little bit more regular for when childcare came into play. Um, and obviously as a, an engineer and a site manager, those hours have to be a little bit more flexible depending on what's going on on your project at the time. So um, not quite a deterrent, but more a sort of sideways step of thinking of a, another role within the industry that, that just meant I could uh, you know, be, be a mum and, and manage those hours slightly better. So interesting that the family were supportive, but the, uh, the, the university and the academic wasn't. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Can I just build on that one? I think I'd, you know, I'd like to say my parents were themselves very supportive. I don't think they, a bit like me, didn't really know what engineering was, but they were very supportive of me. Um, I got a job um, in a year off before university working at a local factory in the drawing office. And I remember going to lunch with my boss on the first day and he said, I don't know why we educate women because they're only going to go and have uh, babies. Wow. So I, that, this was a perfect, I, I thought he was joking at first, but no, it was a perfectly serious comment. Yeah, it's quite amazing, isn't it? The, the throwaway comments you get that could actually deter quite a few women who would be interested otherwise. Yeah, I mean, like you said, my mum, when I came home and told her what this man had said to me, she was really upset on my behalf and she was even more determined that I was going to make it. So there we go. So since you graduated, have you seen a positive change in the support women have coming into the sector or do you think there's still some way to go and what changes would you like to see? I think it, it definitely has improved uh, in, in the sort of 16, 17 years I've been in the industry. Um, there's a, a real understanding of what females bring to the working professionalism, the, the balance of a, a team um, and that's starting to take uh, the right railroad to, to moving forward. Um, I do still believe there's some some way still to go. And I think for me, um, having done my dissertation on why the industry was so white, male dominated, so I wasn't just focused on the gender, it was the ethnicity as well of, of the, the industry. Um, I actually feel that the, the biggest change needs to come back at school um, and having interviewed as part of the research uh, a lot of careers advisors at school, um, many of them don't actually understand that like my role in the industry exists. And they, they believe that if you're in the construction industry, you are a tradesperson, you are a bricklayer, a carpenter, electrician. Um, and also that with our role comes a master's degree uh, and a degree of high level intelligence as well to coordinate and, and run multi-million pound projects. And I think if the school careers advisors had a greater awareness of the roles within the industry, they probably wouldn't close down that, that option so quickly to females uh, and actually be able to offer it more um, at that age, um, even if it was just to open people's eyes to go and do their own investigation and research into to possible roles within the industry. So, yeah, it has, you know, has, has improved a lot over the 16 years, but you can see by the numbers on site and the entry levels and applicants that we get for roles that that's probably where there's, there's still some way to go. But you, Claire, what, what's your view? Um, I think there has been positive change um, because the people who are the team leaders and the managers of those entering in the industry, you know, they've they've grown up in a different period and are less likely to have some of the views that we've already shared around the table this morning. Um, but I do think there's some way to go 
in terms of how our industry is seen overall, uh, as Leanne says, that the, the range of the roles and the range of the sort of lived experience and um, qualities that, that make an engineer. I mean, it sometimes frustrates me that, you know, there's a kind of shorthand for construction. You see a person with a, a, a high-vis jacket and a, and a hard hat on, which is absolutely one, one view of the industry. And I love spending time you know, out outdoors and out on site but I think we need to have a more nuanced view of what it takes to be part of this industry to bring in a whole range of people um, not just from a gender point of view. So when you were a fresh, gra- fresh graduate and maybe the, the only woman on site how did you find it? I know for me I when I came out I went into site offices and lots of the people had page three models pinned up on the wall and it was like quite intimidating and quite some of the language used was quite intimidating. I remember when I used to have to look after a whole team of men who were obviously quite senior to me sometimes and they were the operatives on site. I used to end up telling the dirtiest joke I know only because it kind of leveled the playing field and I said I don't mind what language you use I just want to get the work done I want you to communicate with me and talk to me you don't have to pussyfoot around me. I'm not sure that, that kind of approach would actually be appropriate now from coming from a woman. I think you might get men complaining. How did you find it? What did you do? So I could give um, one or two examples again that the uh, working in the factory drawing office um, and we had to deal with the um, the workshop who were would you know, make up the um, equipment that we were designing and and the, yeah there were a few let's say quite uh, headstrong characters. But what was what was quite interesting was. Um, the, one of the people in charge who was really difficult character to deal with, he clearly felt uncomfortable dealing with a woman, but actually it meant that he changed his behaviour and where he would have been effing and blinding and, and obstreperous, he, he he couldn't find it in himself to do it to me. And actually some of the, um, the others in the in the drawing office were, were saying, oh, <laughs> I wish, I wish uh, he behaved like that with me because then we'd get, get the job done. So it was, it, although it was gender related actually the outcome was slightly different in the sense that the guy just got straight down to talking about what needed to be done rather than venting his uh, opinions and, and feelings in a way that was hard to hard to manage so yeah maybe an unusual example you just improved the communication skills perhaps for everybody then it did it did yeah what about you leanne did you have any experiences like that um, and so to be fair, I, I suppose my, my main one, it, it felt initially was a, a little bit isolating at times. Yes, there was the, the, the behaviours were somewhat different. You mentioned the, the page three, uh, 100% on, on my first project. I remember one of the supply chain cabins was plastered the walls. But I think actually one of the main things was actually the facilities on the on the site and you know, I'm really quite proud of the facilities that I work in now. It's a, it's an office. It's not a site office. It's a, a warm and inviting environment where we don't just have to remember that we've got people um, such as myself on the project team working there, but we also have the visitors of the, the customers, uh, the design consultants and that, that equally need to come and, and visit our workplace, visit our project office. So, that was probably the main thing that was really frustrating was the fact that the the ladies, the single ladies toilet that they put on for probably considerate constructors at the time was actually just the cleanest store. Um, and uh, and it's it's nice to say that that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I'd probably say that probably have to prove myself a lot more than my equivalent peers back then. Um, but again, I feel that that's something that's changed now where 
you know, if you, if you do a good job, you're recognised for that rather than, uh, you know, sort of 18 years ago. It was probably having to do a little bit more just to um, to be seen to be doing a good job. Um, so a few challenges, shall we say. I think um, I've definitely learned to have a, a thick skin quite quickly, um, a dry sense of humour to to get on with a bit of sight banter. Um, but what I would probably say was the, the guys on site who were, you know, the tradesmen on site that were not quite sure, you know, how to how to deal with you, particularly when you were directing them in, in a space or a, where to go to work. Um, they actually probably were more supportive, very, a lot quicker than, um, than maybe some of my direct colleagues. And I think that's because they ultimately just want to keep working uh, and want to keep earning. And as a female, we are very good at multitasking at times. Um, and so they could see that actually I could I could see that their priority was was to keep working. So the initial challenge might have come from the operatives on site, but that was probably the one that turned the quickest as soon as I realised that actually you were you were good at your job and you were you allowed them to be good at theirs. So do you think it's different for graduates and apprentices coming on site now or into engineering offices? Do you think they have to prove themselves in the same way, or do you think people are more accepted for their skills earlier on? Um, I'd say it's different. I think just from the, you know, that that initial comment I've just made about the facilities being available. Um, so the, the working environment is completely different. The, the, the facilities, and the, the welfare environment changes the dynamic of the team. So people all feel valued in, in their workplace. Um, and certainly, you know, where I work now, I don't feel that anyone is, is judged upon gender and purely on ability. And, and that for me is the ultimate goal is that actually we want the best people to be uh, the, the best version of themselves to do the, the, the best job they can for the business. So um, probably not as much as, as it was when I first started out. That's good to hear. What about you, Chloe? Do you think it's changed? Um, I think it has changed. And I think it's for a range of reasons. And I would really support the observations that Leanne's made. I think by having more of a mixture of people taking on roles, the type of behaviours that are seen as like good has changed, you know, whereas um, I remember going to a um, site visit a number of years ago now, uh, and there was real problems on um, the project. It was almost kind of going backwards more than a month every month somehow. And I came out of the meeting, I thought, gosh, that's the first meeting I've been to on a construction site where nobody shouted, nobody swore and nobody hit the table. So just as a kind of observation, I think people in the industry overall are finding different ways of, of doing business, whereas perhaps if you go back, it would have been seen as like positive if you were being very forceful. So I think um, what's, yeah, how we do business has changed and uh, um, that, you know, that makes it I guess, better for everybody. But also perhaps we would make it more appealing to women to come into the industry, but I guess we need to communicate that more so that people actually know that it has changed. Those stereotypes that used to exist don't exist anymore. Yes, it's more appealing for anyone who doesn't want to operate in that way, basically. Yeah. So another interesting fact that came out during my interview with Elizabeth Donnelly was the change in the number of women engineers in the UK since International Women in Engineering Day started in 2014. At that point, there was 9% of the workforce were women. Today, it's 16%. Are some sectors doing better than others at attracting women? I mean, I know geotechnics has always attracted more women than general civils. 
And on International Women in Engineering Day, I was chairing our Future of Floods conference. And over 50% of our speakers were women. And that wasn't a hard thing to do. There are a lot of women in that sector. Do you think the sector you work for is more or less attractive to women? And why is that, do you think? I personally don't feel that it is is more or less attractive to, to women either way. I think it comes back to the, the point I previously made that people don't know about the full diversity of roles uh, that are in the industry. Um, and I think that part of our job um, as, as people that work in, in construction and engineering is to tell people uh, and relay that message of, of how, a, how good an industry it is to work in. Um, the, the different variety of roles and that exist. And I think if we can change that perception of, of what the industry is, I think that the, um, the percentage of the female workforce will significantly increase. Um, yes, it's great to see a 7% increase over time, but is that enough? I'd probably say not really. Um, I, I think... That, that, that there is a lot more that could be done, but I think that's that's part of our role of, of um, being here is, is to go out and relay that message. So maybe it's the water and flood industry because it is very visible. So if someone's working on a flood project, you can actually see as a community what's going on then. They tend to get involved with all the stakeholders. So maybe that's part of the point that they, they do, people are more aware of that industry. What about you, Claire, coming from the energy sector? I suppose you'd cross into water a little bit as well. Well, I guess that, yeah, having started off working in the, the floods and hydraulics area, I think um, there's an element is just with with something like that, you, the, the particular purpose or the outcomes that um, flow from the activities. So flood defence is something which you know, motivates in a particular way. What's interesting, um, being in energy, seeing the different disciplines. So we take the civil, we take the mechanical, we take the electrical, we take environmental, CNI, etc., the attractiveness to women seems to vary quite a lot between the different disciplines and its highest at the moment, I would say, on the civil side, possibly to do with motivation around, as you say, the outcomes from the projects. Uh, so I think that's something we need to look into. You know, finding uh, female mechanical engineers, for example, is you know, a lot harder. So back to the, the school piece and understanding what um, the, the jobs involve and what the outcomes are from the activities, something to work on. So I guess that really comes back to why International Women in Engineering Day is so important because it helps raise the profile for all sorts of different engineers and people talking about what their jobs involve so people actually are aware of it. Definitely, yeah. So my next big question is, has being female impacted on your career progression or do you think you've had the same opportunities as your male peers? And, and when I say the same opportunities, I mean, they've been offered to you without you having to push for them compared to perhaps they have. Claire, what about you? Uh, this is one that's really hard to judge. I mean, I've had great opportunities, so I've got no complaints about being offered opportunities. Um, would it have been the same based from a gender point of view? Really, I find it really hard to judge. Um, I think... If I'd had more confidence earlier on in my career, I might have looked to take on more um, PNL leadership roles. But I, yeah, I find it hard to hard to judge because I've had people who have really supported me in my career, um, and I've had great people to work for, and I've had a great diversity of experience. So I'm actually happy that it's been a, a whole 
fruit salad of different types of roles. And maybe that's just what you know, suits me personally. So um, I think that's something to, to celebrate in a way that, that there are, is the mix of experiences. But yeah, as I say, that's the only thing I might possibly have you know, had more confidence to, uh, to put my hand up for. That's good to hear. Leon, have you had an equally positive experience? Maybe not as a, as positive as Claire's fruit salad, shall we say. <laughs> I think um, at my previous employer, I'd say that we had to, uh, well, I had to demonstrate the role before being given the, the position. Um, whereas a, equivalent peers of a similar age and experience would be given the position to then go and fulfil. Um, whereas, you know, I had to run a project for, for 18 months before I was entitled to then start trying to push for that, that position of a, a project manager. So that's probably where I'd say the disparity came for me, uh, when starting out. Um, I was always a, a position below the one I was working at, um, by, by title and pay, shall we say. So, um, initially, yeah, I'd, I'd say I probably was a little bit, um, fighting from for myself I was probably full of self-doubt then um personally um and, and back to what Claire's just said about having some confidence just to, to speak up a little bit more um but you kind of just accept that that's what it is um so you just put your head down and, and get on with with the job at hand um I would say that you know that doesn't feel the case now um and I'd say in the last five to ten years that it's um more recognition on a ability and aptitude to, to deliver than it that is in terms of time served or or uh, gender related so mm. it has it has improved <laughs> good good there's also the issue of positive discrimination too i mean i personally dislike the idea of quotas and i think they came around in the late 90s with companies with the best intentions trying to boost the number of women they had in their workforce but i always like the women we quote in nce to know that they've we've gone to them because they're qualified and experienced and not just because we're trying to put more women in the spotlight. What's your view on positive discrimination? Have you experienced it? Do you think it's a good or bad thing? Claire, you were nodding away there. Yeah, I think, yes, yeah, it's a sensitive issue because I'm not in favour of positive discrimination per se. I think what I have seen in the last five years or so is an effort to have um, a mix of genders on teams because of what that brings, whether that is has an element of positive discrimination in, in it, I guess is a matter of yeah, people will have different opinions about that. And I think that has helped change um, how teams work and a perception of what qualities different people bring. That, that actually, back to my point before about you know, performance used to be recognised as you know, did I shout loudly, did I bang on the table, and was I very forceful? I mean, that's a slight stereotype. But by um, having you know, a real drive for more diversity within teams, perhaps qualities get recognised in a different way. I think it is quite a it is quite a delicate area because um, you know, the women I speak to absolutely want to be recognised for what they bring to the job and not to feel that they've been fulfilling some kind of quota. I mean. <laughs> Every now and again, if I'm asked at short notice to take part in a panel or something, and I, I sometimes say to a colleague, is this a diversity emergency? <laughs> <laughs> I, have you suddenly realised you've got an all-male panel and you want to have some diversity on it? And 
quite often that is the case. So in a sense, you could argue that I'm being given opportunities that a man in a similar situation wouldn't be given because they want to have a platform to a variety of people. So is that positive discrimination? Maybe, but uh, it's a... Uh, I think it's part of how we how we bring change and how we recognise different styles of contribution. Yeah, we describe an all male panel as a manal, and we've got a couple <laughs> of um, male speakers who do come to a number of our events who actually refuse to accept the invitation until they know there's at least one yeah. or two women yeah. on the panel first that so they decline to do that. Yeah, which I think is quite a good thing. Leanne, have you experienced positive discrimination? Well, there's there's, there's two sides. Um, with this where I, I've become torn somewhat uh, internally um, and it's it's following a conversation I've, I've had so uh, with, with some people that I work with on on uh, site and I I also feel that you know writing something down and publishing it in terms of a, a quota that you know we will do x by by x time um, it can can have the wrong effect on the the, the males um, and so you come into your role because you are rightly so deserved of that position um, but they may believe that you've only been given that position because you're trying to help fill the, the quota that's been been set out um, so in that respect I think sometimes when you are publishing something um, it's almost putting another glass ceiling back in front of um, the females that are in the industry because you're battling something there that you, you shouldn't have to um, because you just should, you know, should be given it on the ability to fulfil the role. On the flip side of that, and this is where I feel slightly internally challenged by it, is if things weren't put down in writing and, uh, you know, there was a, a, I suppose, an enforcement to fulfil a bit more of a quota and, and, and balance, um, say, at board level or at a senior leadership team level, then the same people will employ the same people again. And so that chain will continue for further years to come. And so by writing something and enforcing them to look further um, around to help them deliver a, a quota of diversity, they are naturally bringing people such as ourselves into those roles that will then breed further down the food chain in years to come. And so I find myself internally challenged because I only want to progress in my career because I'm worthy of that position um, and because they believe I'm the best candidate for that role but I, I do sometimes sort of think if we didn't challenge the current um, the current positions that are there and the boards that are there and, and things then you know we, we hire like-minded people so without something being written down and a challenge to those people would it change? Hard to know isn't it? Yeah, it's a very difficult position to be in. Um, so I'd like to come back to some other insight that Elizabeth Donnelly gave me now. She, when I asked her about when we might get to gender parity in the engineering sector, she predicted it might be another 50 years before we do that. She said, when you look back at the 1980s, the number of women doctors or lawyers was around 15 to 20 percent. And now it's nearer 40 percent for both professions. But that took 40 years. And she believes that engineering is on a similar path but it started later. We're probably about 50 years behind. So do you agree with her? Do you think there are obstacles we face in reaching gender balance? Or to quote the government's social mobility czar, Catherine Burble's thing, when she gave evidence to the Commons 
Science and Technology Committee hearing in April. She said, girls don't like hard maths. That hit the news quite big time, didn't it? Ouch. Yeah, does that mean that gender balance is never likely to happen if girls really don't like hard maths? I mean, personally, I do. But I don't know how you feel about it, whether you think that it will happen or are there barriers that still exist? I would probably say, um, I don't know, three quarters of my daughter's maths set at, at school at the moment and she's going into her GCSE years are, are females so if you put that as a disparity at school um you know three quarters of uh, the top set of the maths are uh, liking hard maths good I'm glad to hear <laughs> I'm it. good at hard maths as well so I'd probably challenge that one a little bit um you know we talk about doctors and lawyers evolving since the 80s um i think what we actually have to look at is a society how society has evolved since the 80s the role of a female in the workplace is very different to what it was 30 40 years ago um so yeah we probably are behind and we were a sector that probably wasn't picked up as quickly as law and medicine um but we have to remember that in in the 80s uh, the role of a female was very different to what the role of a female is now in a working environment Okay, what's your view? Um, I, I think we've got a lot of work to do, and it's about um, communicating the impact that our work has and actually what the lived experience of all the different types of roles are on a day-to-day basis. Because if you take medicine, for example, um, each one of us, we might have a, a skewed view, but we can picture in our head a, a doctor doing their work. Um, and I think we should... You'd look at how we can do that um, within engineering across all the, you know, the multiplicity of roles that there are and have those um, available so that people can picture themselves doing that job sometime in the future. Yeah, I suppose it comes back to what Elizabeth was saying about the fact you don't see engineers on TV, do you? Unless it's in a documentary. Yeah. Yeah, and it's limited in terms of what we are. You know, we, as, as a business that I work for, we spend a lot of time in particularly with the communities where, where we're working in working with schools and um you know i've on my current project we've done three uh, local colleges that have done really female focused workshops and stem sessions uh, and brought them around to the project and what's quite quite nice for me is that my team has six females um in, a, in varying roles on the project and and these girls that are coming through their education are seeing that and I think that's quite important that we do carry on doing that as well but certainly a wider media presence would would hugely benefit like you said from a shows to documentaries yeah if you kind of look at Netflix and see what kind of dramas they're on you know you'll have ones that involve other professions yeah positively or negatively but they're they're there and they're, they get into people's heads and I think in a way um, engineering is just a very hidden profession because it, it's fine to say that you know, there may be documentaries, but how many teenagers are watching documentaries of any type? Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? So before we run out of time today, I just wondered if you would go back, what advice you would give yourself if you went back and spoke to your younger self, or would you advise yourself to do something different for your career? I mean, I know I don't actually work as an engineer anymore. I only spent three or four years working in the industry before I became a journalist. But I don't think I would change anything. I love going onto a project, crawling all over it, find out about it, report on it. So I still think I'm using my engineering degree. But I do think I would have told myself to believe in myself a bit more and actually trust my instincts. What advice would you give to younger selves? Um, well, I definitely wouldn't change my career 
Um, as much as we have our challenging days, I don't think there's a job that doesn't. Um, I absolutely adore the variety that, that this industry brings. Um, there is never a day that's the same. There's never a project that's the same. There's never a customer or a, a team that are the same. And um, what could you not love about that diversity of each day at work? You don't know, wake up on the Monday morning feeling that, that dread of the monotonous uh, cycle of, of, of work life. Um, I think what I would tell myself um, if I if I turned the clock back, um, and similarly, what I tell my daughter, to be fair, is just be brave. Um, I think probably we are probably our own worst critics at times. Um, and I I think if I could say to push yourself out of that comfort zone a little bit more, be a bit braver, um, you'd probably surprise yourself and then everyone else around you, what you're able to do. Uh, and that would probably be the one thing that I will uh, advocate to many people. Claire, just before you answer, I want you to share with us what's actually written on the mug that you've been drink, sipping tea from while we're doing the recording. All <laughs> oh, right. Yes, on my mug it says, do what you love. So I'm hoping that's relating to your work and not gardening or anything like that. <laughs> Absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, to the comments that you've both made around trusting your instincts and taking on diverse experiences, um, in order to work out where those instincts take you. I remember when I um, first I had my very first line management role and I remember saying to my boss after a little while, because I had some sort of difficult things to deal with, I said, my gut isn't telling me anything here because I had no experience on which to draw on. And um, you know, the gut to, to kind of guide you towards um, one way or another of de- dealing with a problem. Um, and it's by having... The rich diversity of experience that your gut builds that um, um, ability to help you uh, make judgments as you go through. So, I think you know, have the confidence to take on you know, diversity of um, roles, and that helps you explore which of the things really um, you take to look a duck to water, and which things feel like actually just pushing uphill. Um, so don't be discouraged if one role doesn't feel quite right. Yeah, there are plenty others out there. Go and have a look and see what's out there. So thank you both for joining us today to mark International Women Engineering Day by celebrating your careers. And join us again soon for another episode of the Engineers Collective. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems with industry-leading software solutions used by professionals in organisations of all sizes for the design, construction and operation of roads and bridges, rail and transit, water and wastewater, public works and utilities, buildings, campuses and industrial facilities. Bentley can help accelerate your digital transformation. To find out more, visit www.bentley.com forward slash The Engineers Collective.